I don't know about you, but I have washed my hands or used hand sanitizer more times than I can count in the past 18 months. And I grew up the son of a nurse in charge of infection control. I learned to spend at least 20 seconds at the sink, scrubbing and singing, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder, oh, you get the idea, or happy birthday, over and over and over again. I was taught to turn the tap off with an elbow or a paper towel, but there are only, only so many times I can sing those two songs. So various other 20-second songs have been suggested by NPR listeners like Dolly Parton's Jolene or singing Queen's We Will Rock You three times to make 20 seconds or trying on Prince's Raspberry Beret. It's hard to resist this twinkle rewrite. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, look how clean my two hands are. Around my wrists, between my thumbs, lace my fingers, I'm almost done. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, look how clean my two hands are. Oh, you're not a singer. Well, you can hum the Jeopardy theme for 20 seconds. Fans of the Backstreet Boys are opting for Shape of My Heart. Looking back on the things I've done, I was trying to be someone. I played my part, I kept you in the dark, and I let me show you the shape of my heart. This little light of mine works and may help you stay positive throughout the day. And if you're not a singer or a hummer, try reciting the Lord's Prayer twice. That's a pretty good practice during your day and will guarantee that people give you extra room at the restroom sink. One of my favorite Far Side cartoons features a restaurant restroom with a surprise. If you walk out of that restroom without washing your hands, lights buzz, a buzzer flashes, and a sign drops down to identify your bad behavior. Didn't wash hands, didn't wash hands. In our scripture text today, a group of Pharisees accused Jesus' disciples of the same thing, not washing their hands before they ate. Didn't wash hands. In fact, the Greek literally says that Jesus' disciples didn't wash their hands before eating the loaves. I imagine the Pharisees coming out from Jerusalem to see what all the fuss was about. Then witnessing the miracle of the loaves and fishes, and rather than asking Jesus about his miraculous abundance, they look for an infraction to cite him with. David Melton said it this way in our Tuesday morning Bible study, some people are just always looking for what is wrong. The Pharisees had made up their minds before they got there. They had prejudged Jesus and all those who followed him. They have come out of the city into the countryside with an agenda, looking for a fight, hoping to cut down this upstart movement so they see what they expect to see, someone breaking their rules. And we all know there need to be rules, right? May we hear Jesus' rules for our lives today as we listen to the words of good news and comfort food from Mark 7, verses 1 to 8, and then 14 to 15, and then 21 to 23. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who'd come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders, and they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? 
Jesus said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within the, from the human heart that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride. All these things come from within and they defile a person. This is the good news according to the Gospel of Mark. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, help us to be more careful about what comes out of us in the days ahead. May people hear you speaking through us as we speak and see you acting as we do. Amen. We've all been there, haven't we? Someone comes to us with an issue on behalf of an unknown everyone. Everyone is saying, people are saying, everyone is asking. And then we ask, well, who is everybody? And they say, I'm sorry, they don't want to really be identified. Frank Harrington, the former pastor of Peachtree Presbyterian, always said that he would get unsigned letters and put them straight into the trash can. But one time he came back to his office after a somewhat controversial sermon and there was a single piece of paper in his mailbox and it had just one word on the paper, idiot. Frank said it was the first time someone signed their name but didn't write a letter. The Pharisees were there on behalf of everyone else, all the Jews who washed their hands correctly. Now, scholars doubt this was the case at that time, but still, the Pharisees are insisting everyone who is really faithful washes their hands in a ritual fashion before they eat. It's called ablution. Isn't that a great word for ritual hand washing? Ablution. Say it with me. Ablution. It was not hand washing really to get clean, 20 seconds of good scrubbing with soap. It was hand washing for show. See how faithful I am? We need to ask you, Jesus, why are your disciples eating with dirty hands, dishonoring God in this way? They asked Jesus the question they think everyone wants to have answered. And this is not the first time that they have done this, and it won't be the last. If you remember, paging back into chapter two, the Pharisees and scribes show up and ask Jesus a bunch of questions. And the first question they ask is about Jesus himself. Why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then they go after his disciples. Why don't your disciples fast, Jesus? Why aren't your disciples observing the Sabbath? They are out there looking to find fault. Now, personally, I do think the Pharisees really meant well, for they were a reform movement in Judaism, and they were trying to get people to be more faithful, which you have to admire. They tried to get everybody in line by obeying all of the rules. In Exodus 30, priests were required to ritually wash their hands in ablution at certain times of the year before offering sacrifices as an act of holiness. The Pharisees trusted in the promise that they were to be a priestly nation, so everyone should participate in this ritual all the time to make us more holy. So the Pharisees asked their pointed question, 
And Jesus pushes back pretty strongly. Attack me, I can take it, Jesus says, but attack my team, you best watch out. Jesus is trying to show us the kind of people he wants on his team, people who are willing to get their hands dirty. People are willing to roll up their sleeves and get to work, even when things get messy, like our youth paint night last Sunday. Or maybe you get your hands dirty working side by side at food stock where you at least get your gloves dirty. Jesus did all sorts of things that got his hands dirty. If you read the scriptures, you'll see he spits on his hands and makes mud to heal a blind man. He touches a leper in the beginning of Mark to bring healing. He touches a dead body or at least touches a body everyone else thought was dead. All of these things would have made him unclean, but Jesus was willing to get his hands dirty to change the lives of people. In fact, you can't change the world if you're not willing to get your hands dirty. Are you willing to get your hands dirty for Christ? Jesus responds to their accusation with scripture, a quote from Isaiah, for their supposed laws of ritual washing were only part of an oral tradition rather than something specified for everyone in scripture. What was intended only for priests on special occasions, the Pharisees expanded to make it an everyday required practice. What started as great faithfulness had become an overwhelming weight of legalism, like the heaviest barbell hefted by an Olympian this week. Makes me think of that time I was asked by a girl to go to a neighboring high school winter snowball dance. We joined several other couples for dinner at one of the fanciest restaurants I'd ever been to. They had real cloth napkins, but one of the guys with us ordered ribs. When his ribs came out, they also brought him a small bowl of water. When the waiter set that bowl of water down, that high school student said, excuse me, but I didn't order tea. The waiter then explained to these bewildered high schoolers that this is a finger bowl for you to wash your hands after your ribs, a really useful hand washing. Friends, some meals are worth getting your hands dirty for. Some of the best comfort food leaves you with hands covered in sauce. So Jesus quoted Isaiah to his accusers. You wanna criticize my team? Well, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You say all the right things, but your actions betray you. You do all the right things on the surface for show, but you are more concerned about the appearance of holiness than you are about what is actually going on in your heart of hearts. Last week, after we shared our new protocols for masking, one of our staff members received an irate email that was copied to me. It was clearly written in frustration about our new masking policy. Then the next day, another email came from that same person, and it began with this wonderful line. Note to self, pray before sending knee-jerk emails. The second email essentially said, after praying through this, I'm still not happy about it, but I want to be supportive. I want to help. Put me to work to make a difference. You have my full support. I'm willing to get my hands dirty. What great humility. A willingness to send the second email to go the extra mile. Praying before sending an email shouldn't be a novel concept, but how many of us pray before sending that email? For Jesus says it is what comes out of us that defiles us. Perhaps this person, person reacted out of the stress and anger we all feel right now, for so much is out of our control, but she didn't let those feelings have the last word, and I'm grateful for her witness and for giving me permission to tell her story. 
Have you ever just thought to yourself, did I just say that out loud? You wish you could lasso those words that have just escaped from your lips, wanting to rein them back in, but it's too late. Reminding us that some days we should use glue stick and not chapstick. Sometimes it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube, but a prayerful response can do that. For that's how we're called to act and speak as a community of disciples. We'll not always get it right the first time, but note to self, pray, and there's a second chance to make things right. Jesus tells his accusers and then the crowd and then his gathered disciples the same thing over and over to make sure they get it. It is not what goes into us that defiles us. It's what comes out of us, our words and our actions. Our diet defiles less than our diatribes. And Jesus gives his disciples a list in case you weren't sure what he's talking about. And most of them come from the Ten Commandments, for it is from within, from the human heart that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. So what is coming out of you these days? Jesus tells the Pharisees, you have abandoned the commandments of God and hold on to human tradition. Now, I don't think Jesus is against tradition in general, but I suspect Jesus was against human traditions that made it harder for people to connect with God. For Jesus broke down barriers and was willing to get his hands dirty, touching the supposedly untouchable, loving the supposedly unlovable. In Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye sings of tradition, and it reminds us that tradition is what helps us keep our balance. For tradition is a gift, and tradition is the living faith of dead people. I think Jesus is speaking more about traditionalism, which is the dead faith of living people, holding on to something that no longer serves to reach more people, because that's the way we always did it, or that's what I had to endure as a child, so the next generation has to endure the same thing. Do we hold on to God's commandments or our traditionalism? I think we're called to examine our traditions, to see if they help us to reach new people or do they hinder our witness? For there's always a tension between those wonderful traditions that have been handed down to us and innovating in creative ways that reach new people. As United Methodists, for example, we have a rich tradition of using music to reach more people. That is what John and Charles Wesley did almost 300 years ago in England and for a few months here in Georgia. Traditionalism tells us we must sing the hymns that Wesley wrote back then. Tradition invites us to follow in Wesley's footsteps by creating new music which connects with the heart of people today. I wonder, do our traditions hinder or help people know God? Every church, as you know, has their own traditions. For some, it's a particular dress code or a style of music or the correct way to serve or receive communion. Several years ago, there was a gathering at a cathedral in England of Christians from different denominations from all over the world. They wanted to stress their unity in Christ. So someone decided they should receive communion together. But that's when the trouble started. The various human traditions started debating about how to take communion properly. Everyone knew their tradition was the proper way, the best way, and they got to a stalemate. Then finally, the dean of that cathedral left the room and came back with a basin of water and a towel to wash everyone's feet, something Jesus commanded us to do for one another. If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet, Jesus said. That was something they could all finally agree on. 
So it seems that Jesus is not against washing, but wants us to wash with a purpose, not just for show. Are you willing to get your hands dirty for Christ? Jesus was concerned that people were honoring God with with their lips and not with their hearts. He was clear that it's not what's outside us that defiles us, but it's what's inside us and what comes out of us in word and deed that defiles us. Did you read in the Dunwoody Crier this week about an incident at Sage Woodfire Grill? A woman was walking by a table of people celebrating around a cake, a fun festive moment. And for some reason, she decided to say to them, your cake is ugly. Then defiling words were shouted back at her by those gathered around the cake. A security guard intervened. Two people were removed from the restaurant, but one came back into the restaurant moments later to throw a plate at the cake people. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. It's not what goes into us that defiles us, but what comes out. And sometimes what comes out is hard to believe. Years ago, when I served at the Stark United Methodist Church in Butts County, Georgia, just off Big Dam Road near the Big Dam store, we had a faithful lay leader, Mr. Jimmy O'Neill. Now, Jimmy was one of those hardworking, salt of the earth folks. He loved Jesus and he loved his church. He worked with his hands and always put in more than a full day's work. And he was always on call when people needed him. He also loved our church camp in Dahlonega, Camp Glisten. He thought every child in our church should be able to attend camp. So he both gave and raised money to assure that your first time at camp was free and that no child ever missed camp because they could not afford it. Jimmy, as he served as our lay leader, would often be called on to help serve communion. But there was a problem with that. Jimmy's day job was to run the local Roto-Rooter and septic tank business. He spent his days deep in the red clay mud of middle Georgia, dealing with other people's plumbing, if you will. And try as he might, his callous hands never really look clean. There was always the tinge of the red Georgia clay about them, even after he had scrubbed for more than 20 seconds with soap and water. One time after he helped serve communion, someone complained, asking, how can you let someone with hands like that serve communion? Wait, did you just say that out loud? It seems to me I once heard someone say, it is not what goes into a person that defiles them, but what comes out. I have to tell you, there are few people I would rather take communion from than Mr. Jimmy O'Neill. And I know standing right behind me, there'd be a long line of kids with open, empty hands, ready to receive the bread from Mr. Jimmy's reddish hands because their time at Camp Glisten was so life-changing. His hands may have looked dirty, but his heart was certainly clean. I find there's great comfort in receiving the body of Christ from hard-working hands. Isn't that what they always say? Dirty hands, clean heart. Maybe one of the best ways to get your heart right is to get your hands dirty for Jesus. And the next time you find yourself at the sink washing your hands for the umpteenth time because you got them dirty serving Christ, you might sing out loud or just to yourself the words of Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation 
and renew a right spirit within me. May we remember that we might be able to clean our own hands, but only God can cleanse our hearts. It's not what goes into us that defiles us, but what comes out of us that makes us unclean. Will you allow Christ to clean you and clean your heart in the days ahead? Amen.